Hey, I'm Daniel Jose Older, one of the lead story architects of Star Wars, The High Republic, and you are listening to The Living Force. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Impossible to see the future is. A Utini Podcast Network production. Luminous beings are we. Not this crude matter. Episode 155, Midnight Horizon Roundtable, Part D. Do or do not. There is no try. On this episode, Star Wars Celebration news involving Utini. Big, huge news. Help you And the Utini crew talks about Midnight Horizon by Daniel Jose Older. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts. Looking. Found someone you have, I would say. <laughs> Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Hankel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone! Welcome to the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast all about the High Republic most of the time. We're not even going to lie about it. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight to talk about Midnight Horizon is the full cast of characters, starting off with Dr. Read the Name Tag. Corey Helton. What's up, buddy? <laughs> You're here. You're here. You're on camera. Corey. <laughs> a beer. Oh, God. Put it away. Hello. Hello, everyone. I don't have a drinking problem. You can prove nothing. You can't prove anything. <laughs> it's Monday oh, once yeah. a week, isn't it? It's Monday Good once a week. Good to see you, week. man. Thanks, man. Same to you, too. Welcome. Yeah, it's Welcome been about everyone. four weeks since I saw you last. Uh, it feels good. Like feels that. right. Uh, it especially feels right, though, because we're joined by the who knows if his shades will be up or down, Dr. Charles Hankel. They're up! I'm a man of mystery. No one ever knows what's in my <laughs> cup, either. Have you ever noticed that? Maybe it's water. Maybe it's pimp juice. We don't know. Wow, you threw me. I'm not going to lie, Charles. You did. <laughs> yeah, segue um, that, Eric. You know what? I can segue anything because if it weren't for pimp juice, we wouldn't have the strength to to support the the the, the masterful, the disaster ridden, the I hope you're safe enough, Wes Jenkins. There it okay? is. It's gonna rain in Texas. Are you okay? Good evening. I got sent home early today because it started to rain. I work indoors, and <laughs> yeah, you're not out on the field. Down. It floods in Houston, so once there's an inkling of rain, they. In the abundance of caution to make sure everybody is safe, they say go home before it starts flooding down the bayous. Mm. And if it gets, if it rains all night long, you're not coming into work the next day. Do all the so, absolutely do all, not. do all the dads <laughs> in your business like go outside and outside the front door and like look up at the sky like dramatically and you know they're like, like oh and, oh, and yeah, do yeah. and do this number right here. Yeah. Do one of these. The, the, yep, yep, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They cross their yeah. arms and look real serious and go. It's gonna be bad. I think it's coming. <laughs> Is that what they do? Hot today. Well, <laughs> yesterday. Wes, I like to think that uh, you get to work from home tomorrow as a reward for your city finally getting rid of Deshaun Watson. Congratulations. Um, oh, those idiots. They gave us three first-round picks. <laughs> I don't. You can't talk to me about draft pick trading. All right, Wes, I'm still very worried. raw from my Mark Cooper fifth. Anyway, not the purpose of the episode. Hi, everyone in the chat. Hope you're having a good day. Uh, I see. Oh, JG in the chat is having an extraordinarily good day because you started reading Revenge of the Sith, Wes's favorite future book. Um, glad you're doing well. Hope some of you are washing dishes or have have clean dishes. That's what I wish upon you. I think that's the most adult compliment I can wish. I wish you a sink of clean dishes. Um, anyway, if it's your first Living Force show, sorry. 
Uh, but you're here. This is our part two of our Midnight Horizon roundtable. Pretty quickly on, we're going to dive into the overarching questions that Charles has come up with us for come up with for us. That was a lot of horrible small words. And of course, <laughs> the famous Easter eggs and a little surprise that we teased last week. But before that, we have one piece of news. Um, it's been a hard week for a, a few of us in a few different ways. But sometimes hard weeks come with good news. And there's an email, nay, two emails, that came into the <laughs> Utini email inbox. And, uh, Corey, what, what did the first one say? Yeah. Uh, well, we got two big emails um, this week. And uh, the first one made me uh, have an aneurysm at work. Uh, I literally fell over. I was with a patient, and I had to excuse myself. I Your work is the best place happened. to have an aneurysm, though, I will say. Uh, you know, that's probably of true. Of all the places to have true. one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. I, I got the notification on my Apple Watch, and I, <laughs> I literally said excuse me and had to leave. Um, Utini got an invite to celebration, guys. An Let's invite! Go! To celebration. Oh, let's go! Yes. Specifically, though. Specifically. What Specifically kind of invite? What happened? Utini was invited to host a panel at celebration all let's about go! Star Wars books and comics, baby. Official there it is. panel. We did it. Not just the podcast stage. This is not that. This is a panel for yes. Utini. In a panel, like we're going to talk Official. all about the past, future, and let's see, the, what is it? Past, present, and future. What orders? You got to know that by May, I Corey. I, that's, true. <laughs> that's true. I did. I did write it. I did months. write it. We are hosting a panel about the past, present, and future of Star Wars books and comics. Uh, we put a ton of work into our application process two years ago when uh, you know they delayed celebration, and luckily we got to revise some of that stuff and then resubmit this year, and. Uh, uh, it's just the craziest thing that's ever happened. We're going to host an official panel, a celebration. Um, it's going to be printed in the in like the pamphlets that everybody gets at the door. Like it's an official panel. You know, some of the panels are live streamed. Um, you know, with, on the official Star Wars YouTube channel. You know, I don't know if that will happen. That would be crazy if it did. Um, but it depends when it is, right? I mean, if it's like the if it's like that kind of the highlight panel, like at the time that it falls at, then you know it could be live stream on the Star Wars channel. It, it, and that's during just crazy. the Andor trailer, probably not. But yeah, you know, that- <laughs> if it's like. Eight in the morning on, or, or no, ten in the morning on Thursday, yeah. maybe. It's a, if it's a, if it's a slow time block, then I don't know. Maybe we get it. But regardless, this has been like a uh, this has been a life goal for for me personally when I started Utini that like I really want to be at Celebration one day. Um, I can't believe we hit this milestone. This was on like yeah. our I think our three year objectives. Like I think yeah. like some like a couple celebrations for... in. Yeah, yeah. Really, really can't believe it. It's just incredible. Uh, and then that's not it, right? So then we were all freaking out on the team because of this incredible, incredible news. Um, about an hour later, I got a second email that said we had also been approved for the fan table, which is in, that's like, what? like it's not as it's not as big of a deal, but it's it's a huge deal in a different way because now Utini has somewhat of a headquarters on the show floor at Where Celebration. We can sit. I know. At any <laughs> time. <have> break. <laughs> so officially, if you are going to Celebration, Star Wars Celebration, Anaheim, California in May 2022, come say hello to the Utini we'll crew at the fan we'll table. We'll be there. At Celebration. It's going to be wild, guys. Absolutely wild. Yeah. And we do have one, more, we have one more application pending for a podcast stage, right? And if that happens, then you know, we'll, we'll put something together and have a live show, and maybe that will happen. And you know, at this rate, I don't know, maybe we'll get approved. Sky's the limit, I guess. So you know, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Crazy. Like we are so beyond stoked, as Corey was saying, for all this. We have like the, 
multiple Slack channels have been created. Multiple things are being coordinated. We've told you all we're going to keep you posted about when we know things. When the panel is announced and time slot, we'll tell you. When we know anything about booth location, we'll obviously tell you. We want to see you at our booth and at our panels. We'll try to do things like giveaways, things like just, just freaking talking, chatting with yep. us. We'll talk about timelines. We'll yep. talk about books. There'll be so many cool things. Um, even if now, you're... The other, thing I to, the other thing I wanted to say is even if you're not an, an attendee of, of Star Wars Celebration, we're going to do our absolute utter best to record everything that happens, right? So we can we can use it later, put it on YouTube later, run it on the Living Force later so we can talk about what a crazy time it was. Uh, oh. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. We want it to be fun for folks that it could even that couldn't go to Celebration too, right? So we're going to make an effort to to you know it's it's fun to look back on on video recordings anyway. So. Um, it's pretty pretty wild, and we do have one other thing that we've hinted at, like in the in the past couple months, I think, like even last year when we talked about celebration. Uh, Utini's hosting a party too, guys. That's going to be a big deal. Venue yeah, is booked. <laughs> venue is, is yeah. V- venue is booked for the party that we can tell you right now. Yeah, yeah, that we can tell you. You know, I don't want to give away the venue yet because you know there's logistics that have to happen. But yeah. like we we do have a venue booked. We're planning on hosting a party uh, tentatively for Saturday night. Uh, like six to nine ish. I think it's six thirty nine thirty. It's pretty close to the convention center. So live party. We're gonna do a live show if they'll let us. Uh, you know, host equipment and you know play sounds loudly and stuff because this is an outdoor venue and I don't know what the rules will be. So we'll see. The plan is to do like a live show podcast and hang out, have some beer. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good time. It's a big venue. You know, we can have like I think between sixty and seventy five people. I'm pretty sure. So you know, we're gonna we'll set up RSVPs and put all that stuff on the website and all that good stuff. So you guys won't won't miss out. Ooh. But it'll be free too just for the record it'll be free to attend yeah. drinks are on you but free to attend <laughs> unless i'm really drunk and you say a nice thing to me then drinks, drinks are on me cory <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i uh it was it was a day unlike any other when we found this out because as as we've had with the days we found out we were had our reviews on the back of paperbacks it's like this that's similar to that when we got the the queen's hope audio excerpt like it's it's just these yep. things that show a love and respect for what we're trying to create here and it all happens because you all like it and listen and and go to the site and like we had to put in the numbers of what people look at on these applications and it was enough to prove that we are serious about what we do and we hope again as Corey said if it times out right and and please please don't feel I, mean, I know this is weird to say up front don't feel like you have to skip like the Andor introduction to come to our panel. Yeah, We'd love that. it, but like, don't, don't do like that. we'll record it. Watch that. Vacation. Watch that shit on YouTube later. <laughs> but we would love to see so many of you live as we can. We'd love to meet you at booths. All of us will be swagged out in Utini stuff throughout the week, and it it, it just it became a lot more real this week, and it's the hype that we needed. And thank thank you all, uh, Charles. I'm gonna miss you so much. Just straight yeah. up, bro. I'm so sorry. I know, yeah. but we we were talking to uh, before the show went live that I'm gonna try to be involved as like the the guy left behind the man the man left behind <laughs> the man uh, in the chair, and, bro. It's what you want. Right. The guy I'm in the chair. chair. I'm gonna be the guy in the chair, and uh, everyone who is at home, we will experience things together. We're gonna make it work. Yes. There you go. Yes. There you so go. all of you, I see already in the chat, we have folks that are across the ocean that are in other countries that just can't make it because it's an expensive thing to go. It That's is. totally fine. It's crazy. You're going to have tons of Utini folks in the same situation that'll be home because uh, you can't upload crap live because the internet service isn't great, but we will have people back home talking to folks, having community events, 
Um, and it's in two months. And I can't two wait. So months. We all have – you guys have plane oh. tickets and everything booked now, right? Everybody's all set up. Yep. Going to Disneyland on Wednesday, a bunch of us. If you're going yep. to Disneyland on the Wednesday before celebration, a bunch of us will be there. <clears throat> yep, yep, Like, yep. just just say yeah. say hi and if I you have... want or wave or whatever. I mean, oh. if, if I have put I've put aside one hundred and twelve dollars for Oga's Cantina okay, for the weekend. <laughs> I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get three total drinks, <laughs> dude. You gotta get the Rancor tea. Because I've seen the prices. Holy moly! But you know, so the one, it's once in a lifetime experience, I guess. Yeah, yeah. probably not. Or as Eugenie is hoping, <laughs> in every single celebration experience. Um, yeah, hopefully. So thanks, y'all. We'll we'll keep you posted and. Ah, Jaw's still kind of on the floor yeah. a little bit. I'm, I'm sure. Really I'm sure honored. we'll be talking a lot more about it as we get closer to the event, and you know, as as yeah. details come around, you guys will be sure to we let, let folks on, let folks know here. And you know, if you are a listener and you're going to go at celebration, then I don't know, hit us up, shoot us an email, tag us on Twitter, say hello, whatever. We'd love to mm-hmm. meet you, come by and say hello, and yeah. it's going to be fun. We need to do we need to do some content on the podcast about celebration because they do a lot of book exclusives. and oh, stuff. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing anything this year. Interestingly, some of the printing delays have hurt things. It kind of well, seems like maybe I think not. we'll see what know. arrives in California. California is yeah. be what yeah. they release. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. So let we'll... us know your suggestions on what we should go to for a, as a Star Wars cosplay. <laughs> Matt's in the chat. <laughs> he said, finally a week off. <laughs> Not for you, buddy. We'll make something stupid. <laughs> oh, that, that's a good point. Most of us are. When are you guys going? Are you going to be there like during Living Force? I don't know how no, we're going to work. I'm home every Living Force, so I'll always okay. be here. Charles and I will do a show. <laughs> I'll be at I'll be at Freddie's house, maybe. Yeah, we're, we're touring some part of here. California. Freddie has a literal live podcast set up that he does every Thursday. That's true. I'll let it look it's back. True. So I'll dress up as Freddie. I'll put on one of his hats. He's got a lot of hats. Oh my God! Please, That'd be amazing. <laughs> Red Ranger helmet. Red Ranger helmet. Yes. Yeah, there we go. So no one so, We'll see you there. Uh, again, all details forthcoming. Panel, we don't know. Booth announcements. Party. Save your money if you see us. Remind us to drink water if you can, because I'm going to forget, <laughs> and i got a lot of talking to do, so it'll be a great time. Speaking of all of this, all the stuff we are doing at Celebration, very bluntly, is going to drain a lot of the Eugenie coffers, and those all exist because of our patrons. Literally every clear, dollar. <laughs> yeah, like, we are going to go all out as much as we can, and, and I, I do not mean any kind of hyperbole with this. Our Patreon community, we thank you so much, because without you, we couldn't even have any thought of anything to do at Celebration sure. regarding anything from booth setup to bookmarks to literally anything. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to join the community either before, after, during Celebration, whatever, go to patreon.com slash Utini. Get some exclusive content. Uh, because of the craziness of life, there have been things like our Avengers of Sith commentary, which I will absolutely own because of my life is getting delayed. I'm sorry. We're going to get to that very soon. Uh, but you get extra stuff. Like Star Wars Archives, right when it drops, you get things like the Ghost Crew when it drops. You get a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Thanks to Timothy, our Patreon manager, who is always in contact with our patrons, asking what you want to help Utini get better. And I hope if you're able to either consume Celebration content or, better yet, be there and see us in person, you will be able to see physically how much you, as a community, are helping us create a lot of amazing things and create some memories that are going to last with us for years. Thank you. We love you. Patreon.com slash Utini. I'm already getting sentimental, so you know it's going to be a hell of a round table. All right, last couple things. Uh, no other news this week from Star Wars. Thank you all, blessedly. 
for giving us a short week for Charles's Roundtable. But of course, there are still books coming out! April 5th is just around the corner, which means we are very close to Queen's Hope dropping on April 5th. Wave 3 of the Essential Legends Collection dropping on April 5th. And on May 10th, you are my brother, Anakin. In Brotherhood by Meg Chen! It's coming! We're almost there. Before celebration, it's dropping. Get all those pre-orders in because of the supply chain issues. Go to ETN.com. Go to the release schedule. Thank you to Frank and Trev for all your work on that. Get the pre-orders in. Read the books. All right. Uh, <laughs> Charles, please save this podcast for me. All right. Well, I <laughs> am going to jump right back where we left off last week. Um, Coda, my dog, uh, if you're not watching live, is being very clingy tonight. A little bit uh, clingy like the first characters that we're going to talk about. Zine, Morala, and Lula Talasola as these were the last characters that we didn't get to talk about last week. So I'm going to give you a few quotes about them, ask you some questions, and then we will jump into the overarching questions after that. So, some quotes. Page 181. Zine wished she could just stand there, feeling Lula's fingers around hers, and then let their hands pull their bodies into a hug and take a long breath and sob out all the confusion. Instead, she walked into the makeshift brig and stood in front of the boy she once would have given her life for, then had almost murdered, and now just wanted never to have to think about again. Very, very teenager-like there. Mm-hmm. Page 185, Zine is speaking to Crix, the aforementioned boy who was her old childhood best friend and then became a member of the Nile. And Zine says, you said something to me once. Zine said as, uh, as, she, as he caught his breath, still shaken from his own admission. When you were trying to get me to run away with you, you said I could stop using the force and it would go away and we could be normal. She shook her head, suddenly calmer than she felt in weeks, if not months. But that's what I've been doing my whole life, hoping the power inside me would go away, lessening myself for others, for you. The word came out like a curse, wishing I was normal. I'm so, so glad I found people who love me for who I am and not for some version of myself that had to be lesser to make them comfortable. All right, 188, Zine had been expecting Lula to look grief-stricken or desperate to display almost anything besides the calm, clear-eyed serenity that radiated from her now. But of course, the girl was unstoppable, Zine thought, and that was why she loved her. The truth of it, the sudden certainty, hit her like a punch in the gut. It was undeniable, but she managed to shove away all the complications and possibilities and tragedies that love might entail and just match her friend's smile, that glow. So... Zine and Lula, obviously their story in this book revolved around their relationship, right? But Lula is a Jedi. I'm curious, where do you all see this relationship going? And Eric, I'd like to hear from you as someone who specifically read all the comics, what it yeah. meant from your perspective to see these two come together. Because it was, not everyone had that context. Yeah, I mean, to start out, there's, there's something we, we t- kind of mentioned at the end of last week's show that is so prevalent here like these are unobtrusive unquestionable young romantic in love lesbians in star wars like there is no subtext there is like and that that's awesome like just to say first of all like there's a lot of like been a lot of talk about like the movies like oh there's that kiss and red skywalker in the background oh well they're friends and like like no they're like they love each other and it's it's a beautiful moment, first of all. And I think one of the cool things about High Republic Adventures is seeing Zine 
have literally a story that's basically like coming out with the force, like about being like, uh, I wasn't accepted by my friend when he, when he, when he found out that this happened to me. I found a group of people that accepted me for who I was. I fell in love with like it is it is a beautifully told queer parable through the lens of of force sensitivity, which is um, which is amazing, and it, it actually makes it's clever so I much about sense. It like that. That's really clever. Yeah, and I think one of the, my my main takeaway from the two of them in this book is that I think it's just a great love story in the middle of a great adventure story. Like there there were times I remember when I was reading it for review, I was taking notes. And there was, I forget which part it was, but I literally wrote in caps lock on my phone, like, just kiss already. Like, there's, like, it's that moment of every movie where you're watching the rom-com and you're like, oh my god, just tell her you love her. And you're like, well, our communication got cut off. Like, it's just, it's really, it was really just great to see it. And I think, to your point, Charles, seeing from issue one of the, of the comic to them meeting each other and going through getting to know each other, going to battle each other, going through loss together, and then finally in this one, Saying, like, I love you, and I'm here with you, and wh- wherever my life goes, you're in it. And you're a part of it is kind of just what love is. And I think a lot of us have gone through that, regardless of life situation, of realizing, hey, I love this person. And it scares me a little bit, because it's going to change my life a lot. And it's going to alter maybe what I thought I was going to do. But I look at my life without them, and it doesn't make sense. And I think... In this book, seeing Zine and Lula, the way they think about each other, the way they talk to each other, especially near the end, they've both figured out, like, you know what? This is going to be tough. It's going to be hard. But my future doesn't exist without you. And that's just beautiful. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still, I'm still a huge fan of Zine's sort of uh, kind of, I don't know, sort of in-and-out relationship with the Jedi Order, too, is really clever and interesting. Yeah. And- <laughs> like I don't know, it makes the it makes the High Republic Jedi seem interesting in that like it's not as committal as it seems in like the prequel era, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little there's more. There's a chill. lot more of that. There's a lot more of that in the High yeah. Republic of yeah, like way seekers and people right. who are everybody's just better. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's like the better there days of the Jedi. Yeah, I mean seriously, <laughs> like I don't know. I, I'll be interested to see what happens. Like. That would really be clever storytelling if the High Republic ties all that up and makes like mm-hmm. in, like we kind of understand why the Jedi are the way that they are. Like maybe there are some problems with this model of uh, yeah, you know, this is like the yeah. it's like the office space. Like instead of having individual cubicles, it's just like a it's like an open office concept. So it's what this that's what the High Republic mm-hmm. Jedi is. <laughs> and who <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's an open office concept. Uh, the manager's door is not is always open. You know what I'm saying? It's always open. Yeah. It's always it's it's almost like there's more than one category. You're either a, like in the prequels, you're a Jedi or you're not a Jedi. In or you're out. Sith, <laughs> not Sith. Yeah. yeah. So this is like I mean, there is there's some gray area there, and I like yeah. that. There's a lot more to, to write about with that. For sure. Yeah. Well, I think one thing of note that Zine kind of thought to herself towards the end of this book, or at least closer to the end of this book, page two sixty eight. Uh, she says, one thing Zine did know is that she wouldn't let herself become an obstacle in anyone else's path to becoming what they'd always wanted to be. And that meant Zine had to get away, far, far away. A galaxy there, if you will. But the point being, she might be getting in the way of Lula as a Jedi if she were to become a romantic interest. At least that was her concern in this quote. And so 
we know these two have kind of been pulled together by a lot of events that have happened in the galaxy, but we see that Zine kind of wants to maybe pull away from those things. Now, by the end of the book, she's, she's kind of determined to go and find Lula when she's gone missing, but I think it'll be interesting to see what happens if and when they meet back up. There is a moment in the final issue of High Republic Adventures. We get answers to a lot of these questions. And I'm, I'm, I'm torn here, guys, because there, there's a cool thing that happens in that issue that could promote a lot of this good conversation. Hmm. But it's also a moment where, like, if you experience it organically, it's very special. So I'm not sure where to go right now. So those guys who haven't read the comics, do you think it's worth for me to say and tell people to, like, skip ahead if they don't want to know? Or should we, like, let people discover it on their own? I say you give it five Corey, seconds. You're muted. You spill it. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're pretty far out from the comics being released. So. All right. So, everyone, yeah. skip ahead a couple minutes. Here we go. In the final issue of High Republic Adventures, this current run, Lula Talisola, who has only ever wanted to be a Jedi Knight, right? That's her whole goal. She's offered to be knighted, and she declines. Hmm. Because she says... I'm not Spoiler sure. Alert. I care about I care about Zine so much, and I don't think I'm ready to let go of all that just to devote myself here. So her largest goal, she says, "Nope, I'm not do I'm not I'm not there yet because I still need to figure out my feelings for her." And it's wow. like a really beautiful moment because it's like, yeah, we're just like the most responsible. That's more responsible than any Jedi we saw in the prequels. Yeah. Let's be real. Like that is yeah, the, for sure. that is a level-headed like. Yeah, Anakin moment. was over here. Like, why am I not a master? <laughs> like, <laughs> <I know. laughs> me and my secret <laughs> wife. <laughs> but it's not like a, a one-shot and done deal. Like she and... can come back after she's. No. Yeah. <laughs> she can come back if she, she learned yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. This kind of, I mean, this is like in the very beginning of the book when Atar and Cantum like had Jake that relationship. Yeah. Yep, Cantum leaves for a while and figures it out. And Lula Leaving doesn't leave the order for a while. Eh, I don't know. I think we'll just kill everybody instead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seems legit. Seems fine. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it is a cool, like it, it is a really beautiful top to bottom, like full arc. But and I think one of the things in Phase One was that a lot, like it ended, and obviously a lot of the arcs were were left unfinished because they wanted to come back and the, the story stuff to go further in Phase Three, probably. Excuse me, especially. But this was one that, like, we had a full story. We saw the meet cute, the evolution of relationship, the sacrifice of personal things you need to do, the coming together in the face of, of huge turmoil and challenge, and then ending choosing each other and seeing where the future holds. And it's like, dang. Beginning, middle, and end. This is a story that he wanted to tell with these two, and I thought he did it really well. Yeah, for sure. Well, on that note, I think it's a good transition into the overarching questions because I think – your answer to this, Eric, is is already pretty apparent. But, you know, what struck me about Midnight Horizon is that it's the High Republic novel so far that requires you to be familiar with kind of the most obscure characters from the entirety of, of Phase 1. And I'm curious if you feel like that had an impact on your personal enjoyment, both from the side of if you read everything like you did, Eric, and had all that backstory versus someone more like myself, who had not read the High Republic Adventures at all. Like, Do you think it impacts your personal enjoyment in a good or a bad way? And do you think it affects the approachability of a novel like this for the general audience? I want to hear from you I guys first. <laughs> it depends on, depends on what kind of reader you are. So I didn't really have an issue with 
learning these characters. So the background, I have I have not read any of the comics. So a couple of these characters I've heard of through talking and chatting with uh, with the guys at Utini. Um, so I didn't know a lot of the characters know about Ram, um, but it just made me pay attention more to what I was listening to and what I was reading to, and it helped mm. me get into the story a little bit more and kind of the look about the the underlying moments of like how important it is to be a Jedi and how important it is not to be a Jedi if you're not ready some things like that. But it helped me like pay attention instead of kind of blow through it because by the way, gentlemen, um, there's probably a piece coming up here in the future, but I am currently listening to revenge of the Sith and I can kind of not pay attention a little bit when I'm driving and still understand what's going on. Whereas if it's a brand new book, then I have to pay attention to what is going on and actually get into it more than I would um, something that, like, say, I was building a camper and I was listening to an audio book. Some, <laughs> I mean, some might well, argue Wes, that is... Wes, it, it, yeah, it'll rain tomorrow so you can be focused. You don't have to yeah. And some might argue that that novelization is a brand new book. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Great point. Corey, what about you, man? So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like... I feel like you definitely get some value out of kind of knowing where characters are at and, you know, kind of knowing, knowing like all the background information, but at the same time, like it's, it, it doesn't, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it took away from, from it too much, honestly. Like it felt like it was a pretty natural experience, honestly. It's, I mean, like, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm not, I'm not caught up like enough to really understand like where everybody's at, but like, I did feel like I had enough background to, to go into it and still get what I was supposed to out of it, you know? Totally. Yeah, I think that for me, having been fully caught up, the High Republic Adventures, I super enjoyed. I really loved that comic series. But the characters weren't necessarily my favorites objectively. Like, I still... I, I, didn't, I hadn't put them on the level of, like, Avar Chris and Loden and Bell and, and Elza. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing was different for me. And then reading this book, like, Cantum Psy, as shown by our draft that I just abysmally lost. Um... <laughs> <laughs> still reeling from that uh like like literally elevated Kentum side to a top tier character for me and like seeing like wreath in this book really catapulted him for me so i think that being caught up with that definitely let me into the characters quicker maybe like i, I like lula came up i'm like oh yeah awesome lula great uh ram came up oh yeah ram i've seen him do stuff like that was definitely helpful and i think it made it a quicker realization but I think the characters themselves were expanded so well in this book. And I think, I mean, it's it's very thick, as we've talked about before. Like, there's a lot of book to expand them in. And I think that that expansion was really kind of what put it over the top, rather than purely just knowing what was going on beforehand. I think that he did a nice job. Like, if you didn't know that Lula and Zine were kind of together in this book, by the first couple pages of their interactions, you, you got it. You, you get mm-hmm. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like it really didn't negatively impact anyone's experience. If anything, it, it positively impacted it. So, hey, sure. You know, props to DJO for making sure that people that didn't read the comics are caught up, and props to all of you that managed to read all those comics. I'm jealous. But You're let's good, man lunch let's, break reads. That's what I call them. Yeah. Well, let's move from familiar characters to a familiar setting because a ton of this book. Was on Corellia, guys. Corellia. What the, a segue! Look thank at you. That. I've been practicing. You don't do segues, you liar. <laughs> I've been I've been practicing in my mirror every morning. It's exhausting. 
<laughs> uh, how did it feel going back to Corellia, you know, a place that we have spent years and years and years reading about, uh, and then seeing it in the High Republic era? Like, did it feel true to what we've seen before? Man, I criffin love Corellia, man. Like, that's... Here it is. That's where I got, you know? It didn't... Um, I know we didn't have any visuals, but it didn't seem to me like Corellia was as dingy and dirty as I was noted, first noticed in, say, like, Solo. Yeah. And it's, like, all just, like, parts being... Uh, being uh like wedged together and you got and you know these dark. underlying <laughs> like yeah, pitch black dark. dark yeah um i love so, that movie it's dark yeah it seemed like a, a nicer Corellia, a good a nicer time Corellia. <laughs> <laughs> the travel poster Corellia. hey exactly, yeah, exactly. there's no crime here that you can see yeah like the, imp- the imperial march playing in the background that's just like yeah. oh i want to join the army right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've captain Corellia. That'd be great, yeah. I've always loved Corellia. Like even back to the Legends days. Like I, I think uh I think if if you had asked me fifteen years ago and I was like neck deep in Legends, I didn't have a single Star Wars friend, like what my favorite planet was in Star Wars, I might have said Corellia. No kidding. Like all that mm-hmm. time ago. Uh because Corellia in the in the in Legends books is uh I mean it's I feel like they got it pretty dang right in this book. Like it, it feels very much like Corellia did in the. Like he didn't feel quite as dirty as they kind of made it. And mm-hmm. like uh, Solo makes the entirety of Corellia seem like a, uh, you know, it's just gang wars all the time. Everybody's trying to kill each other, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. that's that's not how Corellia was always portrayed. And, and Hansel has got his you know his hero stripes on his pants. That's never been explained yep. in canon, right? Like. That's uh all that's explained in legends about Corellia. So I mean it's a pretty interesting planet that does tend to make kind of, you know, uh like roguish type characters, like really free like they're libertarians, let's let's just be clear, they're all libertarians <laughs> on on Corellia. Like <laughs> that's just the type of people that it <laughs> that's, they all carry guns, you know, to go to go to eat at Chick fil A. Like just that's just how it is, all right? <laughs> All right, celebration swag. Corellians are just libertarians. There we go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They all they all have license plates that are the "Don't Step on Me" flag. You know, like that's just how yeah. it, how it how it is. Like, and uh, I mean, you're not wrong. The last battle, they literally say, "Hey, Corellians, like this yeah. is our planet." I'm, yeah, that's like, what I'm saying. They they really yeah. got it right. I feel like. I mean, it was very very true to the way the legends. You know, I, I'm continually impressed with the amount of. You know how close that these modern authors are able to get this old sort of energy that, like, you know those 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 folks kind of paved the way to make these types of things happen. So you know, yeah, I, I'm realizing as I look back on that, you mentioned that Corey, the Legends books. I'm thinking back to the leg- to the books about Corellia that I've read, and it's the AC Crispin trilogy. It's yep. Most Wanted, and it's Midnight Horizon, and none of yeah. those is below a nine five for me. Like I'm realizing that yeah. I just love. Corellia books like it's just it's yeah. a planet that's so rich for storytelling because I think you're right it it has that ability to be a little clean if it wants mm-hmm. like the, like the 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 Thraken cell solos of like the high class like the city fathers in this book being like the high high rich people all the way down to the slums literally like the Grundlins the Grindelids which were so cool and like Jacob says in the chat the description of Sfino's family really made it feel like a city that's alive like there are so yeah. many species and characters. Um, occasionally to the detriment of understanding, as we talked about last week, yeah. there's so many people. 
But, like, <clears throat> it's such a rich, vibrant place. And I think that's one of the cool things that sometimes gets lost in, in Star Wars books. We're like, oh, this is a water planet. And we went by a lake and had a chat and then we flew away. Like, Corellia <clears throat> was really dense and full in this book. And I think in every book about Corellia, if there's something about it the authors really latch on to, yeah, I think. for sure. For sure. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of those it, planets that feels like a character almost in and of itself, kind of like the oh, Falcon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, Which somebody, is built on Corellia. Hey, I see you did. I Look at there that. You go. Uh, not to go completely off the rails a little bit, but I am following your. But, your, but we're going completely off. Oh my god, yeah, go, <laughs> go, 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 baby, go. Uh, somebody, somebody that you don't actually have in your character section that I would love to chat about just a minute. Who I feel like is a good segue to is Crash, right? Like she's kind of. Well, like one of the major yeah. characters in this book and like is very true Karelian to me. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, she seems to she's a natural leader. She is like young and in way over her head. Like she has all this responsibility, even though she's kind of a kid in a lot of ways. So like mm-hmm. I, I feel like she really it, like encapsulates like what Karelia believes in and how they what their what their values are like in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Sorry, you said that. I just can't. I now cannot get the image of you, Corey, with dyed pink hair at Celebration out of my head. Oh my god! And <laughs> I don't know. Thirteen hundred dollar Patreon goal in two months. Great. Yeah. There you um, go. Yeah. I mean, Corey dresses like young, a goth kid. You know, I have a wallet on a chain and a really baggy a young shorts. kid that, <laughs> that starts that starts their own business and then has a bunch of people that work for them. I mean, kind of you know, sounds like somebody I know. Not paying any of them well enough. You know, yes, yeah, just yep. like me. Exactly. Realize so, everything is corrupt and then just goes completely off the grid. And like, yeah. <laughs> Setting up yeah, fake assassination exactly. attempts to better your uh, public image. Yeah. That's Corey Hill. Yeah. 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 No. I, w- I will say I really did like Crash as a character. She was a super interesting yeah. interesting character. Um the the whole I will say uh if I have if I have any one small complaint about Crash is that and I know why they did it. They did it because it's a young adult book. They had to do it for a young young adult book. She's a little young in my opinion. Like like sure. For the context of the book, the context is that she owns like a bodyguard company that she inherited from her mother, mm-hmm. and I really had trouble with the uh, with like separating reality of imagining like a. Uh, I mean, how old is she? Seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Seventeen, like eighteen. That? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, like she's in there. I really had trouble imagining a seventeen-year-old like getting hired by like you know seventy-year-old politicians <laughs> to like. Like body, be a bodyguard company. Like the whole bodyguard company idea is really weird and interesting, and like I'll, I'm not sure how I feel about it to be honest. But I had it felt a little out of place for me for her to be in charge of this. But again, young adult, it's so hard yeah. to yeah. to get that. You know, you have to meet the age group. So yeah, I mean, what's it's next? Like are they going to let exactly? Are they going to let a 13 year old woman run a whole planet? I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, you got me there. But I, yeah, I but I, yeah, but I, but I hear what you said. It was like Crash is uh, first, as, as Jacob said, is based on Alyssa Wong, uh, Alice Crash. Uh, I forget the actual last name of the character, but Angua. one that's rad. Yeah, Angua. That, Angua. Yeah, that your friend literally made a Star Wars character. That's a main character in a book about you. That's rad. Yeah. But I think Crash does a good job. I agree, Justin. At the start, is a little. Young, I think, both in age and in temperament. I think she takes a little bit of yeah. getting used to, both by reader and by her friends, which I think is interesting. But by the end, when I mean that when that call goes out to like rally yeah, Corellia, she really comes around. Like, yeah, I mean, becomes the, a freaking the, the, war the, hero. The, the audiobook, the audiobook was uh, 
was a little rough for Crash in the early parts. Wes, I, I mean, you listened to audiobook too, didn't you? Male did is you, it a male, narr- male narrator all the time? Yeah, it's a it male. Is. It's a male narrator, but I mean, I don't, I don't Guys, think he. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, he was okay. good. He's I don't think good. he. I don't think yeah. he did a bad job with it. But the dialogue, like, it reads fine. I'll look back and read some of it. It reads fine, but the dialogue doesn't doesn't sound fine when you listen to it, right? Like, it, it's very it's a hard balance. It's a it's a hard balance, and like I've said this before on the show, I do not envy the writers that write young adult because I feel like that is the hardest age group to write for because you have to have you have to have like middle school age dialogue at times and also adult kind of themes like sex and drinking and violence. Like that all has to be in there to some <laughs> regard. Like for, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it feels like I've watched euphoria. That's all in high school. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although all, all the YA books are edgy, right? They have to be a little edgy, but like yeah. in some, and sometimes the dialogue reading it as an adult, you know, I'm not in the, I'm not in the, the, you know, the market group, right? Like sometimes reading some of the dialogue or hearing some of the dialogue as an adult is a little, I don't know kitschy maybe is the right word campy i don't know it feels goofy at times like mm-hmm. i'm just like oh we're going over there come on everybody like it just feels really i don't know it weirds me <laughs> that, out like, that felt like door of the explorer that yes was okay, yeah, that's that's kind of what it reads like and we're on like corellia is, can you yeah. say corellia <laughs> And then gets hit in the forehead with a sandwich. Good. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly it. Who's stolen Sfino? Exactly. Can you find Sfino? Yeah, that's how Crash was in the beginning of the book when she was first introduced to uh, you know our two our two Jedi characters, right? Like that's how she was first introduced to them. Oh my god. Yeah. Who murdered Crybolt? Where did where did Comac go? Can you find Comac? It wasn't that bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't, but now I want that desperately. I know, seriously. By the end of the book, she certainly came around. and, and, yeah, and yeah, the, Maybe yeah. that's what we're supposed to see is the coming of age. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's Literally, the classic, yeah. but I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Like, I mean, like, yeah. like come on. Like, Luke does the same shit, so I know, I know. <laughs> and they the same age yeah. in that book, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, that's maybe true, yeah. Guys, is that just what teenagers are like? Oh no! Is that how we maybe, were like? No, no way! No, no, no we, were right. we were mature. We were not. We were not like that. <laughs> Listen, I would, I would rather, I, I would probably like, I would, I would probably cut off my fingers before I would watch video footage of teenage me like on a date or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Good Absolutely. thing none of that, that footage exists. And keep my fingers. Yeah, no, no, the fact that we got out of the age just barely of putting every recorded video of ourselves oh on the God. internet. Ooh, oh. cool. we barely Guys, I hope you realize that when we are like 50 or 60, we are going to be feeling that way about this right now. Listen, on our not. celebration I, footage. I yeah. hope not. Somebody I'm gonna watch the, video. I'm going to watch me take that 14 tequila shot from the Patreon event and be like, <laughs> shouldn't have done that. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. I'm shouldn't still feeling that. Don't like that. <laughs> That's why my skin is a tinge yellow. <laughs> Just a tinge. Oh, but yeah, much love for Crash. I hope I hope I hope we see more of her again as time goes on. We're not gonna see a lot of these characters for at least a year. So yeah. And and did you say you did say that Crash is not this is not her original story, right? She's brought up in the comics originally. She's in, the in uh, the High Republic Adventures Annual. Yeah, the short okay, story that Daniel okay, Jose Older writes. It introduces the whole team. So as we said yeah. last week, if you need a visual representation, jump on to Comicsology. It's either free or cheap for that annual. Short stories from all the authors, but DJOs does have the introduction of Crash. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, speaking of Crash, I want to talk about Starlight Beacon. There's another segue for you, Eric. <laughs> Whoa, man. Oh, oh dude. God. Oh, my God, Charles. That was something. Bro. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. Um, so I, I want right, to talk about ahead. Starlight Beacon and its destruction because even though it wasn't the focal point of this book, it, it was a big moment. It was a big moment yeah. in this in this part of the High Republic timeline. In this book, we kind of got the indirect uh, experience of it, if you will. All the partygoers were watching Starlight Beacon crash live on the Hollow News in the middle of their party. And I'm curious as to what y'all thought about experiencing that crash, that destruction of Starlight Beacon from not on board the station. Like, How did it hit you to revisit that from... That sort of different perspective. Uh, I thought the I thought the idea was clever. The whole masquerade yeah. that was a super clever writing tool uh, that they mm-hmm. the, like when they set all that up. Like as soon as they were, as masquerade, soon as they said it's a masquerade, I was like, I know where this is going. This is going to be like a James yeah. Bond movie. I like this a lot. It's really cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, I will say, I wish they had spent just a hair more ta- time on it. You know what I mean? Like I wish that mm-hmm. they would have like spent a little. I wish it would have been. I kept expecting the moment of like everybody stops and looks at the screen and like. We get some of the a little more reaction yeah. from some of the characters and stuff, and it it was just like maybe that's the point. Like maybe they didn't have time to like process it and think about it and grieve because they'd already seen it kind of in the force at that point, right? So like uh-huh. I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe that was the point. It was supposed to blur right past it. I think I'm changing my answer now as I'm, as I'm saying. <laughs> it. It like, that's what it's like about, maybe, man. Maybe it was cool to that they blew right past it. Actually, it was interesting. I'm so glad that we read Fallen Star before us. I think releasing it in this order was great because I I'm glad that the the full emotional beat was in the fallen star because I think that if you, if this was the first time you had realized that was happening in this book, I bet it was cool, but it wasn't full, but it had that like retroactive effect where like I had already experienced those emotions. So it kind of pulled those out of my memory and then added them onto the briefness. Like you said, Corey, and this is a weird comparison, I think, but like follow me on this. It kind of felt a little bit like last year on in January when the Capitol got stormed a little bit. Of, like, seeing people, like, because I remember where I was and watching this thing happen and just being like, what do, what? And just kind of, and like, or no matter what you're doing, everyone kind of freezes and just watches the TV. And it was this moment of, like, oh, this is probably that story they will tell later in life. Of, like, oh, yeah, I was at that, I was at that party. And I watched that happen. And to have that experience simultaneously balanced with the Jedi literally, you know, a million souls cried out and we're gone or whatever mm-hmm. Obi-Wan says. Like, <clears> it <throat> was interesting to see that again in that mm-hmm. moment. So all those different reactions in that brief scene and then immediately leading into chaos was uh, just a whirlwind of emotion. And I, like Justin says, low-key, the best scene in the book. It's 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 a hell of a good book and a hell of a good scene. And Stephanie, thank you for getting my fan of the opera reference. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> they, they weren't allowed to, I mean, they weren't allowed to take in all of that, that you know, like grieving because they didn't yeah. have time because yeah. there was this whole like fighting scene. And yeah. then there was a time when all the Nile came in, they couldn't it just sit there and, party. and hug each other. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what a Nile party is? That's the thing. Once a year, you see that article about frats having those like really horrible, politically incorrect parties. And it's like, bruh, 
No. Yeah. Like, like, guys, so these that... people had a Nile party. Like, no. It's pretty messed up. Yeah, I don't. I, who thought that, <laughs> that was, was pretty messed okay. up? Like, <laughs> rich people. Rich uh, that, people. <laughs> okay, you know what? You're right. You're right. Got, you got me there. <laughs> well, you know, someone brought up in the chat the actual experience of Starlight being destroyed being the best part of the book. And there were kind of two moments. You know, one was the moment where I think Cantum and Comac first understood something was wrong. That was one moment that, that really hit yeah. hard. And then the, the later moment was when Starlight actually crashed. And I want to read one quote here from uh, when Cantum and Comac realized something was wrong. It's from page 286. And it says, A song of pure devastation trilled out so suddenly it almost knocked Cantum over. It rose to a sharp keening and then burst. An explosion that rocked the very stars and then emptiness once again devoured the entirety of a space once filled with laughter, concern, thoughtfulness, love. So that that's what the Jedi were feeling on mm. Corellia. And I find that so interesting because, you know, you hear, oh, Starlight's been destroyed. And that's the, the home base of so many Jedi. So you think, oh, the Jedi are gone, right? Like they're decimated. But no, they're not. Like there's still so many scattered around the galaxy and now they just, they know they have no backup, right? That's what Comac yeah. and Cantum were hoping for, was for backup to come to Corellia. And no, no, no one's coming. Like, you are on your own. And that's kind mm. of the framework that we're going to launch into when, when we get back mm. to this part of the story. So, Even as you describe it, it hits me again, honestly. Like, the, the, the weight of that is, I mean, it's the classic war story thing, right? Whether it be any World War II or like fantasies, war, whatever war story you're watching, there's always that moment of, they're not coming. We're alone. And it just, it hits in such a way of, the only reason that you had strength was because you knew you'd eventually have support. And when that vanishes, you realize how weak and afraid you are. And I think for Jedi, that moment of like fear is, is always the, the hardest one, right? Like fear is the death of a Jedi, essentially. And, feeling that moment for them you can't even grieve for your friends yet because you're afraid that you're screwed was was really mm. it was intense it was yeah. straight up intense i think emptiness is used a lot in star wars as something as being mm -hmm. almost the worst that the worst thing there is um in the galaxy so yeah. like if there's an emptiness there's the force is not present so there's nothing that they can pull off from um and then being the Ultimate big bad Palpatine, and because I'm starting to listen to Ringe of the Sith, there was a there was a Pretty portion good, there that said, right? "Yeah." Well, they said <laughs> that there was a portion in there that said he was like, it, "We looked at at Palpatine, and he was expecting to feel anger and revenge and resentment, and I felt nothing. There was nothing there, and I was just like, that means that he has it on lock." as the most evil person in the history of the galaxy so far. Yeah. Bro, chills but, again. Um, Just for I mean, you saying that. Emptiness oh my god. <laughs> is a is a big is like a big theme that's in Star Wars that I've noticed. Um I mean from all the way to the High Republic to, you know, <laughs> the prequels. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I mean Emptiness what's, here, emptiness. <laughs> you bring that up. I have to read now this quote from 285 just quickly. The force sang of stillness, not the gentle stillness of an untouched snowfield. This was a much more sinister, 
a gaping emptiness where once so much life had thrived, thousands of stories intertwined, and now there was nothing. So that speaks directly towards what you're talking about. I wish I would have read that before. I would have yeah. had something more. I'm gonna, to say. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> jump on that for a sec because, um, uh, for those of you that that follow me and know me, the the reason, one of the reasons this week has been hard is because last week we unexpectedly lost my cat Lucy, um, very quickly, and that emptiness is actually an exact description of the worst feeling. It's the feeling that something was there, and it's not now. And that's been the hardest part about this week of being in my apartment again and with my partner is that we're doing things and it's like there's there's something that was there and it's not. And I think that is a feeling for anyone that's experienced loss is very, very hard to describe if you haven't and very hard to describe if that was your day. And I think that's what makes Jedi and the High Republic so wonderful and relatable is because their entire life is based on connection to everyone, their best friends, their lovers, their families in the forest and everything. And if you could feel in your soul, the moment that a person walked out the door, the moment that a person ignited a lightsaber and then they were gone forever and you never felt that again, like it's, it's, it would kind of be this kind of sorrow all the time. And then you just got to kind of deal with it. And I think that is what we start to hint at in these moments is like, all right, it's just empty now and it can't be filled. I just have to focus on the other things. Hmm. And I think that you, you guys nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. That it, we're not afraid of, of fire. We're not afraid of destruction necessarily. We're afraid of, of a void because that just exists and it feels cold. So Get a little personal and depressing there for a second. Yeah, yeah. The absence yeah. is the hardest thing. Yeah. And yeah, and I love the parallelism between uh, Obi Wan's line and in Episode Four, right? Like suddenly, mm-hmm. a, millions of voices cried out, and then there were silence. Like it, it just yeah. kind of get it, right? Like and this, yeah. I really felt those vibes. And when reading this part of the book, is like they were kind of beating all around that idea without saying those exact words, but still, that original line captures it beautifully. Is like. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Suddenly there's life in a place and, you know, Obi-Wan doesn't know how to describe it, right? It's like, yeah, it's just it's Yoda dropping the staff in episode yeah. three yeah, as, yeah. as everyone mm, starts dying. Right. You know, Kashyyyk, it's, where it's, he just like it's grabs not, himself. Yeah. Cause he didn't know he didn't, they didn't know how else to say it. Right. It's not Mm-mm. like, it's not like, you know, we just felt the death of thousands of people. That's not what he said. Like he says, no. it's as if a million of millions of voices just cried out where suddenly it's happening. Cause he doesn't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Right. And it's like, how could that be a thing? Yeah, how could that even be real? Yeah, Yeah. like so many of us. Like, like when's the last time you were just in silence? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I sleep with white noise on my phone. Like, I I have a podcast on when I walk the dog. Like, we we have so much of our lives. Just there is stuff. There is stuff. There is stuff. And just to replace that with nothing, Uh it's 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 the most terrifying thing about the nameless, which you talked about in Fallen Star. Is that Mm -hmm. it doesn't kill you. It doesn't burn you. It empties you. Yeah, and there's nothing. Yeah, and it's like, whoo, go into the real darkest depths of fear in the yeah. Star Wars young adult books. Huzzah! Tell you, you got to be edgy to be a YA book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, seriously, yeah. man. My goodness. Well, Eric, thanks for sharing that, like with everybody, because yeah, uh, obviously we knew that, and you've been kind of dealing with a lot of that. And I want to, I want to kind of counter that, if you will, with 
a quote from Yoda about younglings because I think maybe it applies a little bit to what you're talking about. And it kind of leads me into the next thing I'd like to talk about. And that is that Padawan master relationship mm-hmm. it was really emphasized in this book. So Yoda talking about younglings says, no, it is in who they are to us that their wisdom lives. Do the work we must. The lesson of younglings we take on is one of the hardest ones for most Jedi to learn. Indeed, some never do. Detachment, Cantum said. Yoda nodded, serious now. To let go. Elusive it is, but also always available to us, always there. And again, does not mean we have failed, only that we must do it again and again. Cantum knew the truth of those words in their bones. How many times had they managed to let go of doubt, fear, arrogance, jealousy, only to have each tumble back in like nothing had ever happened? Yoda was right, though. Those weren't failures. The struggle, the lesson, really, was simply ongoing. To love is to let go, Yoda said, watching the flames. To be Jedi is to let go. I'm curious about y'all's thoughts on this quote, and I would also like to just hear your overall thoughts on that master relationship, again, that was emphasized in this novel, and, and what is the master's true role as a Jedi? So the simple things. Cool. Um, <laughs> one, I think this is, bar none, some of the best Yoda we've gotten in a long time in this yeah, book. I agree Which with I that. appreciate yeah. so it's, hard. It's, it's up there I don't with... remember, like, reading about Yoda that much, though. It's not very often. It's surprising when you think yeah. about, like, not... one of the most <laughs> famous Jedi. Not in a lot. Hmm. Uh, man, it's... <clears throat> It's interesting, right? I think the the dark side of attachment, literally, is Anakin, right? It's being attached to something, and because of that attachment to Padme and the inability to let go of a potential future or potential tragedy, it inhibits your ability to do good and think of others and do and do and serve the light rather, right? As the Jedi are supposed to do. And from what I get from this and from this book and legit from the higher public is that it's not about not loving. Like Yoda literally says, to love is to. He's giving a, a lesson on how to, to love. It's to let go of the fear of losing love, I think. It's that you can love, have compassion, all these things. But the fear of love being lost is what drove Anakin to darkness and is what drove him down the side. It wasn't the love. Nothing Padme did drove mm-hmm. Anakin to become Vader, right? Nothing about the love for his children drove Anakin to be Vader. It was that if you, if the fear of loss or the reality of loss drives you away from the ability to, to do good works because you are so consumed with fear and tragedy and anger, that's when it becomes an issue for Jedi. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the, I mean, God, you want to talk about timely stuff, Charles? You nailed it. Like, this last week for me has been really hard because it's not the, the, the attachment you heard that's been hurting it's been the idea of like i still have to do things i still have to love people i still have to be my best there's been times this week where i haven't been my best at all and i have i have lost that because i've been that attachment made me frustrated that she was gone or frustrated that i couldn't do things and i think that being a jedi and being a person as star wars is secretly doing to us all the time is to love so much that their their love in your life makes you better and the loss doesn't make you a mm-hmm. worse person. It makes you sad, but those love lessons that they gave you through those years crafted you into such a great 
person that you are yeah. able to go on in their memory and serve in their memory, even if you stumble now and then. And I think that's where Cantum gets to in their story. They didn't ever let go of the love that they had. They just learned that once it's gone, that's okay, because I'm still a Jedi. And I think in all of this, in our, in our lives, we're going to keep loving, but we will love so much that even when that love is lost or that person is lost, we can still go on in the spirit of the love. It's kind of what this, this uh, gave me, I guess. So Yoda says, and then when we grasp, gone again, takes practice, it does. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's so good at it because he's had so many Padawans? 100%. Right? He's, had, he's had so many Padawans where he can just build up. I bet it, yeah. like, well, it's, do we know yeah. who his first Padawan was? It's interesting yeah, because... Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, don't know. Think, I don't know, man. We think we've only ever seen Yoda as the wise and old master. Like Even in the High Republic, yeah. now that we've gotten yeah, a taste yeah. of him in this time period, he's still the wise yeah. old master that everyone looks up to. But like, like at listen. some point, he wasn't that. Like He became that He was that young and hot. Time. We know. We can yeah. say it. We don't have to be afraid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, Caitlin and I were, were talking about this this week, and Eric, I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't, this doesn't break you. But no, like, no, no. There is sort of a uh, like this beautiful analogy between Yoda and Padawans, and, and kind of how it is to own and, and lose a pet. Is like mm-hmm. I saw a, I saw a quote a couple of weeks ago, something like like you know it's very likely that you will have multiple animals in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like multiple dogs, multiple cats, but you're going to be the only human they ever have. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like that is such a heavy idea, and that's how that's how Yoda was with Padawans in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we are like, what they grow beyond. Mm, like right. that is like Yoda, the burden of Yoda all masters. Had right? Multiple Padawans, but he was only that was the only master they ever had, right? So I just love this beautiful thing to keep giving Yoda to the Padawans and to the younglings and like like he this pure relationship between this wise, wise master, like and even when he has <clears throat> even when they're not Padawans anymore, he still is like that that grandfather like figure to it. Like I actually looked up the the quotes from The Last Jedi a few moments ago because like like the dialogue is it's still Yoda has just been fleshed out as such a beautiful character all through Star Wars and like his final yeah. lines in the, in the Last Jedi is like some of the best dialogue and like I almost teared up reading it a minute ago. It's just so incredibly good. It's just Yoda is just so utterly wise. Like when he says uh he says, heeded my words not, did you? Pass on what you have learned. <laughs> Strength, mastery, but weakness, folly, failure also. Yes, failure most of all. The greatest teacher failure is. Mm-hmm. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. And it's like, yeah. how many times mm-hmm. did Yoda learn that damn lesson for him to still be preaching the same things after all these all these centuries? It's not even years yeah. or decades. No. I mean, Literally think about, centuries. Think about uh, how distraught, obviously, Obi-Wan was, not to make this about Obi-Wan, uh, for losing Anakin. Yoda yeah. was yeah. Dooku's yeah. master. I mean, how do you think yeah. he felt with that? Was a massive failure. Yeah. You know what I also just realized too, because Yoda, his whole thing was working with every youngling, right? That's what he wanted to do. Even when he didn't have individual padawans, he he taught every youngling. He was the kindergarten teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When Starlight Beacon fell, every single Jedi that died was Yoda's student. When oh. Order sixty six happened. Oh. Every single Jedi who died was Yoda's student. Oh, I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's and that's the reality. Like, he, 
And he, I mean, he went to exile because he didn't fail once. In his mind, he failed thousands of times in that yeah. in that single day because he didn't protect them. And I think that that moment of like to see Yoda, Yoda have a redemption arc, which is insane mm-hmm. to think about. But like with Luke, mm-hmm. he goes from teaching every youngling loses them in Starlight, every youngling loses them in Order sixty six. But he still comes back for one more because he believes the Jedi are something worth believing in. Yeah, and I think yeah. in this book, in the fla- I mean, the, seriously, it's some of these flashbacks. I am I am going to be running campaigns for the Utinis for scenes of the year with some of these things. Like they're so seriously. good, and all the way up to Yoda's appearance near the end is like, this is the master that no matter how many tragedies befall him, still believes that love of the Padawans and teaching is worth it because he knows what it can bring. And he knows the galaxy needs Jedi and needs Mm -hmm. people that can love and help like this. And if Yoda, who is, who has by definition, like you said, Charles lost basically every Padawan he's ever had. will keep doing it. I mean, what choice do the rest of us have? Yeah. We got to keep going. Mr. uh, uh, Yoda is the Mr. Feeney of the Jedi. That's what I have. Learned Yo! too from this conversation, dude. Boy meets world. Reference. Yes, that's good. <laughs> and another boy meets world that's reference for you. Life's tough. Get a helmet. The High Republic is also tough. Get a helmet. So, <laughs> I, Eric, do you have the do you have the outline handy? Yeah, I do. Because you mentioned the appearance of Yoda, and I feel like it's such a yeah. powerful moment. I'd love to just hear that really quickly before we kind of close with some things. And uh, it's from page four sixty three, and I think you'll do it much more justice than I would. <laughs> All right, buddy, I'll try. I'll see what happens <laughs> no, here. No, no pressure <laughs> or anything, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right. Ugh. Both hands raised. They called on the forest with every shred of their being, and then, very suddenly, the weight of it all became light. Almost nothing, as something seemed to give way in the air all around them. Without releasing their grip, Canton blinked into the fog. The Nile reinforcements still sprinted towards them. Comac and Zine still beat back attacks on either side. The remaining fog, all that was left of that foul yellow-gray cloud, was swept suddenly away as if a heavy wind had blown in from the harbor. But there was no wind. All around Cantum, warriors looked to either side, confused. There, in the middle of a wide-open area, the last bit of fog cleared to reveal a short, hooded figure standing alone amid all that destruction and death a bright green lightsaber extended from one hand the other was raised to the sky master yoda Whew. thank you eric um i got chills all over again the sabbatical is over baby master yoda is back and uh and you know i'm curious not about what y'all think about Yoda, because you, you've told me all about that. Not about uh, did this feel true to his character, because you've addressed that. But I want to know what in the world was he doing on this sabbatical? Because I want to point <laughs> out this very odd, almost like extraneous detail that was just dropped in at the end of this book. And it was from page 481, where they reference this robed and bandaged individual that Yoda brought back with him. And the quote says, a little off to the side, that strange hooded figure sat singing as always. They'd come with Yoda, Zine had realized once everyone had disembarked and settled in at Bay News. 
The figure never showed their face, never spoke to anyone, just sang a sad little ditty over and over in a raspy whisper. They'll do what they can. They'll do what they must. Well, so, I was uh, definitely asleep during this because I have no narratives whatsoever. Okay. No, there's, <laughs> there's literally, it, <laughs> there are literally like two sentences about this person wow. who just I appeared. I can't believe you noticed that. Wes, you're usually yeah. on the same level with this type of thing. Did you notice this? Yeah, I mean, I I read it, but it is. No, you're full of shit. You didn't know that. You didn't see that. You didn't remember that. You well, just made so, this up. I knew there were people. So yeah. this is the final <laughs> moment, or, or these are the final moments of the High Republic no Phase 1. Yeah, and no, here is the you. last thing that Yoda says on page 44 with respect to, I believe, this, this bandaged and robed figure. Much to discuss there is. Difficult the way forward will be. But there is a way. Hmm? There is always a way. And young Reith has learned, hmm? And young Reith has learned, make that way ourselves we must, for it has not been made yet. To do this, though, to forge our path to the future, guided by the secrets of the past we will be. So what are we talking about here, y'all? Like, obviously, Dude, this, is, this is pure conjecture, you're like, but... You're just, like, blowing my mind right now. I had no idea welcome this was to even the story. The book, so welcome to the yeah. story. For welcome sure. to the show. I don't know. <laughs> welcome to yeah. the show. This must be some kind... Is this a reference to, like, uh, I mean, is this going to be some... This has got to be some huge connection to Phase 2, I'm assuming, so right? This is... So Jacob in the chat, he, he mentions... So. In the comics, Yoda left with Elder Tromac, who's another character, to research something, right? Um, mm-hmm. not sure if that's the same person. We'll find out. the The song that they'll do what they can, they do what they must. That's the lullaby that we've heard about the nameless oh, in yeah, various yeah. comics. Right. You'll, you'll you'll be dust, right? That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they are clearly singing about something that has to do with the nameless. And yeah, this is, I mean, guided by the secrets of the past. The fact that this came out just after we got the reveal that Phase Two was taken 150 years ago, like that is 10,000 percent where we're going. I mean, this has yeah. to be either a, a scholar the of those the nameless or the big something bad. about the nameless. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. Real, so the real remind bad, us again right? what the nameless are again. We, cause that's, well, the nameless are the, are the Shrikarai, which are the creatures that are essentially create or disrupting the Jedi's connection to the force. Yeah. They basically are, Eric, yeah, please, are sucking the force the out of folks, essentially. Like you're making them empty Shree. vessels, husks, essentially as you will. Okay. They're husking so, folks. They're husking folks. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested. It, 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 it really. This one felt like a season finale of a show where it's like the past. We will be. But um. But um. But um. But and it's like oh the next movie like it's just yeah. abs- more so than any of the other books I think says that whatever the secret is we now like we have to go back to the past. Not only do the Jedi have to go back to the past and read scrolls. But the readers literally have to go back to the past now. And I think we are, in, instead of experiencing this knowledge in flashback, which I think they could do, I think we are literally just going to experience this knowledge in present time in those books that take place in the past. I think that's what they're giving mm-hmm. us, essentially, are the scrolls. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to know. I do want to know how uh, Daniel Jose Older won the bet to be able to bring back Yoda, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think he was like, "Well, he's on sabbatical," and they're like, "Well, what's he doing?" He's like, "I'll tell you in a year and a half." <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. that was more than a coin flip for sure. Yeah, for sure. That was I mean, wait, was on. it flip cup at that first uh, <laughs> retreat? Yeah. I think that's what it was. I wouldn't put that past DJL. Uh, yeah, that's right. So, so on that note, let's end this 
amidst all this craziness, amidst all this chaos, amidst all this death, there were the light moments. And Corey, you brought up the wreath audio that really, really was impactful for you yeah. when, when listening to this novel. So I think let's end there before we run through some Easter eggs. Uh, I think you pulled some clips here for us, right? Yeah, last week I uh, I said that I wanted to play this audio, and I've I've said multiple times I think on shows that like we gotta play this audio is really really good, but this single bit of audio like from the audio book like is one of the most powerful I feel like with the music and the sound effects and everything is is really really cool. And there are I two different wait. parts to this that I want to kind of get your get y'all's feedback on because Eric, you haven't listened to this yet, have you? And Charles, nope. you, did nope. you I was to the pure print for this mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Okay. So the first bit we hear uh, this is all from like one of the last chapters of the book. Uh, and, uh, the first is when, um, the first is when Wreath is kind of coming to like, it's like the grief moment where he's like, where everything kind of falls apart about like, he finally has a moment to think about Starlight and what to do next. And it's really powerful. So let's play that one first. Wreath Silas, Comax said. Wreath held up his hands. Wait, what is this? We have to talk about what to do next. Why is everyone just standing around? Wreath, Kentum said. We have to do something! Wreath was yelling, and he wasn't sure why. Nothing made sense. Not the tragedy of it, not the silence of it. It was all impossible. He didn't have a home. Suddenly, all that calmness he'd felt started slipping away. He'd thought he had at least some of it figured out. It had seemed so clear a few hours before. When a Padawan laughs, the Force laughs harder, he reminded himself. And then he was laughing. But tears were streaming down his face, too, because Starlight was down and so many had died, and nothing would ever be the same. Shh, Zine said, cocooning him out of nowhere, her own tear-stained face landing on his shoulder. I know. A few moments passed with just the crackling embers and the wild hoots and chirps of the swamp. Then Comac again said, Wreath Silas, and Wreath finally understood. Are you ready? No, Wreath wanted to scream. I'll never be ready. Not after this. Not after everything that's happened and whatever is about to. No. Wreath shook his head. He'd pictured this moment many times. He used to imagine it happening on Coruscant, surrounded by all the ancient texts of the Archive. More recently, of course, he'd envisioned the ceremony on Starlight, his home. He would be surrounded by his friends. He would glow with joy at what he'd achieved. He would begin the rest of his life. But Starlight was gone, and many of his friends were too. All this time, all this fighting, all this death, Wreath said, his voice shaky. And I haven't learned anything except how little I know. Yoda made a thoughtful grunting noise. Hmm. The hardest lesson to learn, this is one of the most important. Yeah. Jeez. I've learned only how little I know. Mm. I know. And then Yoda's like, that's exactly why you're ready. Because you know nothing, Jon Snow. That music, man. (laughs) The music did a lot for that scene. Yeah. I know. I'm telling you. So uh, one of the reasons I wanted to, a couple of reasons I wanted to kind of highlight this particular particular thing so first of all the narrator i had to look this up it's todd habercorn i think is how you say it todd habercorn let me okay. see what else is he he's done 
I think he's in the anime dubs. I feel like I might be misremembering. I'm not that. sure. He on the Wikipedia, he's done. He's a he's an Imperial pilot in Star Wars Squadrons. That's interesting. Hey, there we go. Yeah, yeah that's and weird. He okay. he did some voice work for the High Republic Racer Crash Point Tower. I don't think I listened to that one, so I wonder if he did that one, which is pretty Neither. interesting. Um. Oh yeah, he's a big anime right? dude. I just, I just googled him, and okay. he's done a lot of anime characters. Of anime, yeah. So like, I can kind of hear that sort of anime thing, like with uh, with Wreath, and the characterization of Wreath is one of the best. I yeah. Feel like, in 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 the book, so like that. One of the reasons I want to highlight it is because because this is one of the first time that I think a lot of listeners will have heard this guy's narration of the book, and it was really good. I thought, like, I mean, yeah, it's, that was really solid. We always kind of have to compare everybody to Mark Thompson because he's kind of like mm-hmm. you know the the you know the goat of of narration right but like there's other folks out there that we got to give chances to to kind of shine right so he nailed yeah. it i really did this was really yeah, good. i didn't yeah did not have a problem with no, me either with the, the new narration it was i've this is the third narrator i've had in a row because now they're reading Ringe of the sith for the ninth time today um <laughs> you have another narrator on that one so um jonathan davis so yeah, i was um great yeah, so I I like the the variety. The variety it, it helps because there's they they do the the character voices in a different uh, articulation. Is that is that the right is that the right word? Sure, I think it works. <laughs> sure, it's not the but worst no, it word. Really, it it helps to to break up the monotony. If there's you know you read you know yeah. thirteen Star Wars books and it's Mark Thompson every time you're like, well, I yeah. want to hear. Somebody a else. different variation of uh, a woman's yeah. voice. Well, right. and I love we that. I love that, that version. Yeah, I love that version of Wreath, though, especially because I mean I, I've said that a couple times on both parts that Wreath didn't quite do it for me in Into the Dark too much, but this version of Wreath is good because it sounds like like a scared teenager, like like the Tashi Station Luke, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because of the deeds Wreath has done, <clears throat> you can hear. And I think this is very hard and, and a and a huge accolade to Todd. You can hear the weight of what has just transpired in Reed's voice, of yeah. like, I I'm not ready because I'm still shaken about what just happened because I'm still a kid and I just had to kill a bunch of people and that was very yeah. hard, and I yeah, think there's an sure. element to that too that we kind of like, that don't always recognize in Star Wars that that should be difficult that that should be scary for a kid and that's okay, and I think that reverence for life and that that fear or uncertainty doesn't not make you a Jedi. You know what I mean, yeah. and I think that was really well done. Yeah, great, great pull there, Corey. That was yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, I mean, the chills they, I've gotten in the last hour, y'all, are just insane. I know, seriously. Yeah, the <laughs> other thing fun. I really wanted to highlight with that piece is like, like you said, the music really made it, and like, yeah, like there was not a it there's does. not a single piece of licensed Star Wars music in right. this. It's not all a single original, John right? Williams. It's all original, <laughs> and I don't I don't know where they got it. If they like, if they had it specially made, or if if this is like just kind of royalty free music that fits, you know, like I don't know how John they Williams exactly sucks. Did it. Is what we're saying, Star Wars does not yeah, need him. You heard it here yeah. first. Corey said it. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even going to pretend to support. Are you that. sure there's not a single Star <laughs> Wars single, piece in there? There's not a single riff from original Star Wars. The entire I listened hard because as soon as the original music played, I was like, this is kind of odd. I'm going to pay attention to this. And like, hmm. like, it's not a single piece of licensed Star Wars music. And somebody brought this up Interesting. In, in Slack a while back. And I think, maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think now that I'm looking back, I don't think any of the YA Higher Republic books have any Star Wars licensed music in them. And a lot of the hmm. Higher Republic books in general have other music that's not Star Wars, like not like John Williams' Star Wars, but 
Like, there's been a lot of really original music lately and some of the audiobooks, which has been cool. Yeah. You know what I want to do? Speaking of that, a quick shout-out. If you have Spotify, look up Grushkov, which is G-R-U-S-H-K-O-V. This artist has put, put together full albums of completely original instrumentals for Light of the Jedi and The Rising Storm, scene by scene, like a film score. Wow. Holy smokes. Uh, Kevin Scott has tweeted it out a couple times, but there's like, Welcome to Valor is a track. Uh, the Cyclone Shipyards is a track. And they're like eight minutes long, some of these. Like, it's, it wow. is a two-hour album for The Rising Storm. So uh, maybe we can we can link that out somewhere, but like just I want to give a shout out to some because the fans of the High Republic are are above and beyond. And you mentioned original music, it reminded me of this. This artist is really going above and beyond making books yeah. soundtracks, like like a uh, Shadows of the Empire back in the day. So mm. huge shout out. Mm. Yeah, wow, that's wild. And uh, we do have we did have one other audio bit that I wanted to chat about a yes, little bit, please. which this this is the specifically the one that I wanted to I wanted to play. It's the moment that that Reith is knighted <laughs> as a Jedi, and like this is not one ready. of the most beautiful scenes in any 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 audiobook I've ever listened to. And I like I had to re-listen I had to listen to it twice. It was so good. And I did I did clip some of it out because I didn't want to listen to I didn't want us to listen to like a like a solid let me rephrase that. Eric did not want us to listen to a solid eight minute clip for like obvious licensing reasons and all that kind of stuff. But use audible credits, y'all that's right, it. use audible credits <laughs> and go listen to it. Um, but at the same time this particular scene is so beautiful and I, I, I want to listen to it together. So let's play the second one. I left Starlight with a hundred questions, Wreath said. Now Starlight is gone, and all I have are more. Being a Jedi isn't about having the answers, Cantum said. It's about knowing which questions to ask, even if some of those questions span centuries and generations. If all these masters believe you to be ready, Yoda said in his warm, raspy voice, think us mistaken, do you? Hmm? Wreath had to smile. He didn't feel ready, no. But somewhere, beyond the fear, beyond his own ego, he knew he was. He stepped forward, looked his master in the eye, and nodded. I am ready, Master Komak. The slightest of smiles creased Komak's tired face. Zine stepped up on one side of Wreath, rammed the other. There was no path, and there was no being lost. As confused as Wreath felt, he knew the Force had guided him to this moment, just as it would guide him to the next one. Yoda stepped up beside Komak, Cantum on his other side. By the right of the Council, Yoda said. By the will of the Force, Cantum said. Wreath realized he was crying again, tears of both joy and sorrow. The Force had led him to this moment. The Force would lead him to the next. There was no being lost. There was no path. We name thee, Komak said, reaching out to gently pull up Wreath's Padawan braid. He lit his saber, nodded at the others. Then all three masters together, Jedi. Knight of the Republic, Komak finished, slicing through the braid. His saber went out. I am so proud of you, Wreath. They hugged. Ram and Zine both patting Wreath on the back. When Wreath stepped away from the hug, there was a lightsaber in his hand. Comax. What? Wreath managed to say. Comax looked suddenly like a human storm, like all the anxiety and grief he'd been holding back had surfaced now that the ceremony was complete. I 
He glanced around the room, eyes wild. I can't do this. Then his gaze locked with wreaths. My saber is yours now. Dude. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh my god! The audiobooks, guys. Oh. I'm telling you, by only reading them, you're missing out. Holy smokes, the music and the sound effects. We like I gotta the start it tomorrow, man. Dude, I, it moved me to tears in my freaking car in my yeah. driveway after work. I'm just like bro. sitting there, and it, I literally, my eyes, I'm like, bro, I'm crying right now. Like, it was incredible. Uh. It was incredible, <laughs> and then that in that transition, the transition to the lightsaber being in his hands, yeah, and I I can't do this. I was just like, what, what, <laughs> what is happening? You know, you know what that just did to me? Besides literally make me cry live on a streamed recorded episode, is that like, oh my god, dude. Um, having read it and listening, because I don't reread. A lot of us don't reread because just because of time. We've said this, knowing. That Comac's about to go listening yeah, to that I makes know. it a hundred times more intense because because you know there's those moments where you're comforting someone and you're like I'm gonna break but they need me right now and I will use every ounce of strength I have to get through this moment for them and then I can let go and like you can hear it in Comac's voice of like we named the Jedi because he's like this is the last thing I'm gonna do. <clears throat> this is the last thing that is worth it to me, and it is yeah. that important. And I'm like, oh my! Like that—that's that. Ten seconds is the biggest argument I've I've heard for rereading in years. That was, mm. yeah. Oh, was Ser- never had God. a wow. I've never heard of a wow. light a knighting ceremony before. A red yeah. one. No, it's that extensive. It's that extensive because that that makes it's it really it's more Reference. important. Yeah, yeah, it makes it like more important than the ones that you've heard before. When like, you know, I mean, even mm-hmm. Obi Wan, like Obi Wan, you are now. Uh-huh. Do they right. even have a ceremony for him? I don't know. It's, it's like I mean, it's like on the sounds like Qui Gon died I mean, and now he's a Jedi. I know. It's like on the. Know. This well, is we'll like a. It's like this is like a battlefield promotion too, right? I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Like the the way that it transitions from those two audio clips together is like like Reith is just going through this discussion of what are we gonna do next? We got to fight. We got to do whatever. And they're like, no, no, no let's mm-hmm. take a second because we got to promote you to Jedi Knight before we can get to the next thing. And it's just like. Yeah. I don't know, man. This is seriously one of the most oh, moving, moving we, experiences I've ever had listening to an audiobook. And I sh- this this book, like, I really didn't like for the first quarter. Yeah. I didn't even like it. Yeah. But by the and end of it, this, this it just dude. the production and just the writing. It was just an utterly incredible experience. And I was shocked that I loved it as much as I did. All right, here on out. We did anytime... talk about that. We did talk about that last week. Sorry. Eric, yeah. No, you're good, how, man. How they knighted wreath but knowing that so many of the jedi had died on starlight yeah. are they knighting him much like military ranks whenever one of the officers goes down somebody is automatically yeah, raised yeah. up to that position right. to lead yeah and what do the trials mean thought. like because because we get mm-hmm. keeves trials in the high republic comic which are so much different <clears throat> and i think one of the best things i think they've done in current canon for jedi lore is make the trials malleable a little more like it's not like yeah you do this this and this, this trial of this which is like fine there's fun stories to be had in that but they are malleable and because being a jedi is a malleable thing mm-hmm. like it is a much less specific option i also think now we need to get that audio however we can without the la- language and anytime someone goes to a leadership position at utini we get on a zoom call we play <laughs> that music and then we all do that because <laughs> there's no I, way promotion should happen without that i know i, I love that i did wow. love yoda's little bit in there too in the very beginning he's like 
what if if the masters all agree do you think you're gonna argue with them like i just i loved mm-hmm. it it was such a beautiful I, clever little line god i miss <clears throat> watching the prequels now ha- after this book i miss this yoda as i watch the prequels i'm like mm. no he's a cool dad like i know <laughs> yeah. him i he's awesome and i like and not not in a way that he's badly written in the prequels but like that's how he evolves yeah and i'm like oh it it, it stings Great, great call. Y'all, legit, if you don't already, do we still have the Utini Audible link? Is that still live? Yeah, Corey? yeah, it's for sure. It's still okay, thing, yeah. slash Audible. Yeah, if th- if you haven't done a Star Wars audiobook yet, I mean, why not have this be your first? For yeah. sure. So I'm production saying. Production value is. It was a good production. Yeah. So good. It's, the higher public, wow. honestly, the higher public books in general are just like really on another level. The fact that a lot of it is Beautiful. original makes it, makes it even bigger. Like we've talked a lot on yeah. the show about how crazy good the audiobooks are, but something special about these. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Thank you for, uh, for bringing that in quick. Cause that was awesome. And I wish that I had the attention span to listen to entire audio clips, but now that you've set the precedent, I can just expect you to bring the best bits to each round. There you go. <laughs> no, no, wow. no, Charles, we don't have time to rewrite your brain chemistry after years of medical school. We, All right, we'll just we do, do not. All right. It's fine. Well, let's, let's <laughs> absolutely fly through some Easter eggs, connective tissue, etc., and then we'll close this thing out. So good, let's do this. Page three, very early on, death sticks are mentioned because there's nothing more teen angst YA than cigarettes. Oh, do you want to buy some? No, that's okay. I want to go home okay. and rethink my life. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> on, on page four, Grindelids get their first mention, even though they're subsequently heavily featured. And, of course, that's the worm species that uh, were shown in Solo, a Star Wars story. On the very next page, page five, we learn that the Garavolt clan is the major Grindelid clan on Corellia, and eventually we learn that Lady Proxima herself was one of them on page 416. Okay, I legit love that way Maybe more Proxima. than I should. It was the perfect, <laughs> was like, yeah, it was the perfect <laughs> little <laughs> wink nudge. It wasn't too yeah, over the top. Was. It wasn't over the top at all, and I, I can't believe we didn't bring this up earlier, but like, like originally, like when they brought in the... The what are they Grindelids? Mm-hmm. Grindelids, yeah, yeah, Grindelids. The when they brought people. in the when they brought in the the scary centipede people from the sewers of Corellia. When they brought in those <laughs> scary people, <laughs> I was just like, okay, the, this is the Corellian this is, underground centipedes. Yeah, this is a little a little goofy. But then when like when they were freaking violent and they like killed that guy and like ripped him to shreds, I was like, holy crap, what is happening right now? Bit, bit yeah. his head off and then yes! the offspring. Yeah. Ate the rest of yep. them. Yep, dude. Like, okay, speaking of speaking of audiobook <laughs> well, production, what happened? The, listen, <laughs> speaking of audiobook production, when the Grindelid bit that guy's head, it made the T Rex crunch sound from oh. Jurassic Park. <laughs> like you know what I'm talking about when you yes. hear all their bones crunch. Yes, did it? I was like, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, it, was, it was excessive. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we got some prequel love in in this book as well. On page seven, Sabata Krill is mentioned to be an Urkit, and that's a species that was first introduced in the Phantom Menace with the pod racer Odie Mandrell. Yeah, hey. Yeah. On page twenty, it's revealed that Ram invented the word wizard, which is a phrase we first heard in the Phantom Menace as well. On page twenty-five, a Savrip, aka a Mantellian Savrip, is introduced, and that's a reptilian alien species, and uh, that species is well known to Star Wars fans because a Savrip is one of the Dejaric pieces, one of the hollow chest pieces oh, on the yeah. board. And we actually got oh, no. to see one in live action, <laughs> more or less, in the flesh in this novel. So that was cool. 
Nice. Um, let's see. On page 41, Shug Drabor uh, is mentioned as overseeing the construction of MPO 1400 Pergle class star cruisers. Of course, that is the same class of ship mm. as the Halcyon. On I, have to stop you. I have to stop you there. Uh-huh. Shug Drabor also uh, was in a load lifter and saved the day. And I would yes. like to show you a picture of what he looks like. Just like hey! <laughs> it's Ripley Thank from you. Aliens. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> that it really is perfect. Though. I forgot you had that picture. <laughs> I'm so glad that came back. I haven't turned my computer off in a week. <laughs> <laughs> on page 72, Gus Talon, one of Corellia's moons, is shown, and this moon is actually originally from Legends when it appeared in the Star Wars Tales Anthology series in 2005, and it was brought into canon by DJO in the High Republic Adventures just last year. Awesome. On page 93, copper grins are mentioned, which is a type of fish known to be native to Corellia, and they have appeared in other canon material set on Corellia, such as uh, Solo's Star Wars story and Most Wanted, but they actually made their first appearance in the background of The Last Jedi, where they're strung up around the caretaker's <clears throat> huts. Wow. Yeah. You can see them. They're on screen. And on the same page, gar smelts are mentioned, which is another type of fish that actually came from Pablo Hidalgo's uh, solo Star Wars Story official guide in 2018. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Fish facts. Wow. That's fantastic. So, how do you, so what what happens when you need a, is is DJO just writing? He's like writing, writing, writing. Like shit, I need a fish. <laughs> I mean, Google <laughs> Star Wars heard, fish. Yes, it Google seems Star to be what they like. Yeah. They, they either go to the book or they ask oh, Matt is, Martin. They're is, like, bro, do they have like a do they have like a folder in their like Google Chrome browser? And it's like when writing Star Wars, and they right click and open all new tabs. And one of those is is, is Wikipedia. It has to be open while you're writing. Oh, it has to be. <laughs> It's has like to be. Dictionary, Wikipedia. Like, that's what you have to have open while you're I would like to think. I would like to think they all have Trevor Davies' knowledge and they don't have to actually go back and look at anything. They already know oh, yes, the top God, of They it. know it all. Okay, that'd be great. That'd be great. I like that. I like that. Well, we've talked about fish. What about vermin? Because on the very same page, scree rats are mentioned, and scree rats are the little rodents oh my God. that Han, Kira, and the rest of Lady Proxima's white worms have to capture and cook up into their <clears throat> breakfast. Yuck. That's disgusting. Yeah. On page 106, Corsec is Red mentioned, kill. a.k.a. the Corellian Security Force. And these folks oh are God. basically the local police force on Corellia that are heavily Corsec. featured in Legends. Corey, do you know who one of the most famous members of Corsec yes. was? Yes, of course I freaking know who one of those who, famous Corsic officers is. It's Corin Horn, baby. The yes, sir. Corsec officers. They're the worst. That's right. The star of one of Corey's most recommended Star Wars standalone novels. Is, I for sure. That's, yeah, that, that is, is not, that, that is not exactly what I said, but yes, it's <laughs> going down in the record book. Oh, All man. right, on page one fourteen, Master Obertuck is mentioned, and he's a Parwan Jedi who features in the Eye of the Storm comic. I won't say any more than that, but if you know, you know. Absolutely right. If you know, you know. On page 124, warts are mentioned, and these are frog-like creatures <laughs> that are known to be kept by Jabba the Hutt for pest control in his palace on Tatooine. And they first appeared in Return of the Jedi, but nowadays you can actually go to Oga's Cantina in Galaxy's Edge and see an animatronic uh, wart above the bar. It's really Disgusting. cool. It's yeah. really cool. Guys, we'll see you there That's in disgusting. May. 
On page 127 and 128, Crash says, yes, I waited till the adults were gone because I deal with enough already at work. And all they do is underestimate you until you prove yourself smarter than them and then act surprised that what you've been saying all along is true. And that is the most YA sentence that has ever been written. Man, this makes so many kids just go against their parents' wishes for the entire time reading it. On page... Funny. Yes. Page 132, Zine says the Force was with her. She was one with it. And, of course, it's nice. a nice callback to cheer it from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've heard it a lot through the High Republic. That's true. On page 147, several Anzellans are shown, including Shug Drabor. And he uh, is actually a member of Babu Frick's species. So I don't know if that's what y'all were picturing. Whoa, I did not. <laughs> I did. So those are Anzellans. <laughs> I did not catch that at all. Holy smokes. Yeah. On page 149. The half is there is, Listen, there, is, there are too many, too many aliens now in Star Wars. Like, when you're reading on Kindle, like, you can click on words, and it'll, like, it'll, like, take you to the dictionary, like, if you want to read about the words. Yeah. I need this connected to yeah. Wikipedia. So I can just Gump, literally click, bang, bang. and it'll, like, I don't know, it'll Dude, open it. The fact that I, I didn't Google Spino's... A species at the beginning because I usually Google, but I was on a plane at the time when I was reading the beginning of Midnight Horizon, so I had airplane mode on, so I couldn't Google the race. And then it it's isn't new. mentioned later, so I completely forgot. Yeah, it's Tamar so and out. it's new entirely. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. No shade, guys. We read every Star Wars book that comes out. No shade in Googling Wikipedia for what they look like. Seriously, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much more Star Wars obscure knowledge I could fit into my brain. <laughs> like, we read <laughs> all the books and talk about it every single Monday night, and I literally miss all of these details. Uh, Corey, <laughs> I hate to tell you this, but we're <laughs> I, still going. Yeah. I know, man. We know nothing in the grand scheme of things. Mm-mm. It's crazy. But the game's a panel anyway. That's right. <laughs> Shh, don't, don't say that out loud. <laughs> experts i mean that's what we are we're experts yes, there it is <laughs> um on page 159 the scarlet skull cult is mentioned described as the most feared assassin squad in the sector made up entirely of children and teenagers but to me it sounded like a bad tribute band for the blue blue oyster cult that's I mean, my but also <clears throat> shout out to scarlet skull cult uh if you follow djo on twitter as you should he's our social butterfly of the year from last year he retweets a lot of fan art stuff, and there was a fan art, I think, last week or the week before, of Wreath and Ram in their Scarlet Skull nice. uh, face paint. So it's, it's a good time. It's a good time. Uh, on page 183, we have this quote. They'd both grown up hearing the same horror stories about Force users. To hear the elders tell it, people like her could commit all kinds of twisted magic, from turning people into brain-dead warriors to raising the dead. So shout out to Ben Solo. Because okay. that is not hey. untrue. <laughs> On page 188, Cham Cham, Zine's pet, is mentioned. And I guess unless you've read the High Republic Adventures, you've likely never seen or heard of this little bat-like creature. Because that's where the entire species first appeared. Yep. Hmm. A lot of good animals in that series. There, I feel like the High Republic era has gone really big <laughs> on the new animal species. Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Yeah. On page 189... Narshada, the smuggler's moon is mentioned, which is obviously there's so much information out there about that. Yeah, so much. You can't have a Corellia story without Narshada. Yes. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Narshada was invented for the uh, Kotor games. Maybe it was. Maybe it was. It was it's like in the to... Christmas trilogy. Is it? Nah, yeah. Before that, thing, but visually, so. visually though, visually, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say in in alt an acceptable. 
I really want them to do uh, the underbelly of Coruscant one day in some kind of live action media, but and I don't think they're ever going to because Coruscant is weirdly untouchable by live action media for some reason. Thank you. It is weirdly like that. Yeah. I don't know why it's like that, but it is does seem to be like that. But I would say a a very close secondary fallback for a really interesting underworld series on Narshada. Good choice. Good choice. Guys, all of that Aaron Reich has a contract somewhere. I I know we're not going to make Solo two. Put him on Narshada. Just, just yeah. do young Han Solo on Narshada yeah. and Corellia. You already have the sets. Yeah. They're already <laughs> there. Just make that thing. Yeah. I know. For sure. On page cool 210. <laughs> cool, cool stuff. On page 210, <laughs> Crash says, The promise of a politician is trash, as the old Corellian saying goes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's, that's a Corey comment. <laughs> Yeah, that is a gory guy. Say I say quite a bit. <laughs> I know. I say things are trash all the time. This is fantastic. Oh man, you, Corey, seriously, I'm telling you, pink hair, buddy. We can. That's it's you. gonna be temporary. I know. It's be great. I'm not a libertarian. I feel like I need to say that after this after this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a bunch of books. No. Do what? I said, but you have a bunch of books. On You're what? Anymore. Being, a, being a, a libertarian? Li- I, libertarian. Anymore, I sold all that. A libertarian. No. no. Okay. Oh, God. Oh, okay, I get it now. Uh, I don't, that was all right, Wes, you have, to, you have to pay to get into our party at Celebration now. <laughs> You're the only <laughs> Only <one>. you. <laughs> I'm just going to sit outside. <laughs> <laughs> hey, looks like y'all are having fun over there. <laughs> <laughs> me. He's going to be wearing that, that little stupid hat that Watto's wearing in, in episode two. That's what he's going to be hey, doing. Hey, aren't, oh aren't you, aren't you, Wes? Aren't you on, like, one of the main podcasts? Yeah, but they won't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says, well, I used to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm never going to do these. Sorry, okay. Charles. All right, on page 212, Arcona, which is a species, is mentioned. And yet again, that's a species of one of the pod racers from the Phantom Menace, Rats Tyrell. He was the one whose wife and kids are sitting in the stands that are briefly <laughs> what? shown. What? That doesn't narrow it down? Who the hell is that? Yeah, no, for that. sure. They show little baby, Tyrell, little yeah. dinosaurs. You, if you don't, <laughs> you got to go watch. Charles, we're getting pottery. I, the there's so many. They're, they're seeding it in every I know. book. I know. Is it the little green dinosaur guy? Is that who he is with the flat neck or whatever? Yeah, he does look kind of like a dinosaur, yeah. And he goes, Mah! You know that guy? <laughs> okay, I got it. I got it. And that was it. Clint, That's what I needed. Yeah. Speaking, <laughs> speaking Kevin, of that. Kevin, I know you're watching. Kevin, just pod race. Just do it. <laughs> speaking of that, on page 258, Krufila is uh, regarding the Bonbrack she was about to eat. She says, I was just playing with it. And Demas, who is like the police officer, nodded agreeably and said, and I'm a world-class pod racer. Yet again, a pod racing reference. Who do I need to pay or bribe or whatever? Please, if they ever listen after all the hype that we built, if they ever bring pod racing in anything, we're gonna have to have like a freaking four part pod racing series on the show. (laughs) I'm gonna do a spin off podcast. I hate to tell you that. (laughs) Wait, wait, Charles, it's a pod podcast. Yes, it is. It's a pod, it's pod about pods. Yes, exactly. That's right. It's, it, it would be the most. It would be the most appropriate podcast of all time. It would just be called the podcast. I think that's actually a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> it's now a, it's podcasting. I'm pretty sure. Huh, I'm pretty sure that's is, actually yeah. a now podcast. It's a, it's I mean, it should be. We're not that yeah. clever. Or okay. someone else has also thought of this before. All right, hundreds of Star Wars podcasts. Thanks for listening to this one, everyone. Yes, yeah. <laughs> especially when we cannot get through oh, part two of a roundtable with three we hours. Change channels real quick. 
right. On page 272, the Tino Village sector is shown, which was the district of Coronet City first mentioned in Chuck Wendig's Aftermath Life Dead. Let's go. Very good. On Very good. Page I'm sure they didn't tell him about that one either. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, didn't pay him a goddamn dime. <laughs> on page 292, <laughs> the Mimbanese <laughs> are mentioned as aiding the Nile on Corellia, and they are, of course, natives of the mud planet Mimbin, where Han Solo had to fight for the Empire in the beginning of Solo's Star Wars story. The yeah, mud. <laughs> where are the invaders? <laughs> Great movie. On page 292, Corvella and Tyrena, cities on Corellia, are both name-dropped and both first appeared in the video game Star Wars Galaxy. So shout-out to Freddy. Oh, my God. He got it. <laughs> Freddy, read a canon novel. It's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> then on page 301, Lepi, the species, is mentioned. The same species as Jackson the Rabbit. So shout out to Jose now. And I'm starting to think DJO might secretly be a member of uh, the UTN Patreon. I don't know. I'd be okay with that. Page 325, we have this quote. Well, well, an elderly woman in a lime green gown and elaborately tubed helmet said triumphantly. Then she chuckled because apparently everything was a funny party joke. I always thought that initiation into the Scarlet Skull cult required members to remove their own tongues. Ram leaned uncomfortably close and made his voice a harsh whisper. What makes you think this is my tongue? <laughs> 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 that was by far my favorite moment of the entire book, I kid you not. That caught me so <laughs> off guard. It did me too. Yeah, because he, he's trying to figure out humor. Like, is it a joke or is yeah. he being like in character right now? Like, this is fantastic. It's pretty good. It's, Dude, it's absolutely how kids learn how to tell jokes, too. Because, like, I'm like, bro, too far. It's cringy. No, no. Yes. <laughs> no buddy. Oh, man. Okay. Uh, page 340. Cantum pulled out their comlink, tried once more to raise the Jedi Temple. The main Republic communication nexus, anyone at all, once more to no avail. They'd gotten through once or twice, but each time had been placed on a weight tone by a frantic and irritated operator. <laughs> and this really blew my mind because I was trying to imagine, like, when you call the pharmacy and it's like, hello, you've reached the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. If you'd like to speak to the council, press one or say council now. <laughs> and you're like, council. And it's like, thanks, transferring you to billing. And you're like, no, what the? <laughs> <laughs> that happens all the time. Exactly. Oh, my God. Freaking CVS. Great. Great phones, great phones. Walgreens is a oh. nightmare to try to call Agent. the doctor. Agent. You can listen to Agent. 40 seconds of things Zero. like, I am a physician. I am a doctor. <laughs> Let me in. That's literally what it's like every single time. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, our wait times may be longer than usual. Yes. Thank you for your patience. Oh, my gosh. If I'm you're trying to schedule a COVID test, and you're like, no, 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 skip. How do I skip? <laughs> what is a normal wait time? Because every business I've called in the last two years has wait times longer than usual. So, nope, usual has changed. Uh, Sorry. This is the usual now. All right. Getting PTSD. All Moving right. On. Page 422, Wreath literally says, you will not board this ship. And it felt very much like a Gandalf, you shall not pass. <laughs> Phenomenal. Yes. We always yes. have to have a Lord Good of the Rings line. moment. And then lastly, I just want this to be known. I don't have a quote. I don't have anything else. I just want it to be known that Yoda delivers eight hippopotamus babies more or less and make <laughs> s'mores in the same chapter of this book so that's true there you that's go that's true that that weird little that weird little little offshoot scene Apple where like babies. he like 
like has to get that guy off the roof or whatever that happens. I can't yeah, the what happened. That's the, that's the hapapore, like which I think of yeah, as a okay, hippopotamus. A hippopotamus which is on the, the roof, giant you know. beast from Force Awakens where Finn is trying to drink the water. Yeah, and that's yeah. a hapapore. It's a fully grown hapapore. Okay. Okay. That was funny. The guy was on the roof and you're just like, hmm, what are we going to do about this? This is yep. all the day life of Master Yoda, all yeah. great and wise. Like, it's just yeah. like hilarious. Now, Charles, <laughs> I got I got one more Easter egg I want to add in from the mouth of DJO himself. Go ahead. Um, as we were reading this, uh, I was chatting with him, and he said there's one character. Uh, it's a member of Discaro's crew, and I don't have my notes in front of me. I'm ashamed I forget the name. But there is a member of Discaro's crew that begins with a P that is, if you remember from Ray Carson's Most Wanted a few years back in the street, in the slums of Corellia, Han and Kira meet like a golem-esque creature in the sewers that they befriend. They bring him food, and, and people think he's all weird and stuff, and he like helps them out. He is in Discarl's crew during oh, this book. Oh, wow. So he has made it through multiple eras. So wow. that's a nice little Easter egg for. And if you haven't read Most Wanted by Ray Carson, that's another, I mentioned it earlier. So good. Great Corellian book. But DJO took a lot of vibes from Most <laughs> Wanted and put it in this book. So if you liked this, that is a great book to read while you're waiting for your next new release. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. We have spent entirely. Too much time tonight. <laughs> Two hours. No such thing. So let's no go. Thing, man. Let's go around. Close this roundtable like we do all <laughs> of them. Three parts. I want you to re-rate this book from one to ten, and whether you change your score or not, tell us why by giving us any final thoughts. So, Corey, I think you went first. You're up again. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember what I gave the gave this book. Somebody can tell me in the chat, maybe if you guys remember. But I think it was in the eights, eight something. I'm pretty sure. I feel like that was kind of how I felt at the original at the onset of all this, but I'm going to raise the score. I had to freaking raise the score, man. Like, and listen, I don't know if it's because like, like just hearing everybody's opinions, like what this, is that what the show is? We're just opinions like that. Like whatever. I don't know. Maybe hearing everybody. I don't know if it's just like hearing everybody's opinions, make my editorial makes my opinion of the book higher. I don't think that's really what it is. I think it's just talking with your friends. I just like hanging out. And with you guys and talking about Star Wars, man, like it just makes the books better. And like, you know, you got to get out there and in some kind of community and do that. And maybe this is that for you. Like if you're a listener, maybe just maybe we're your Star Wars friends that you never met. Come meet us at Celebration at our booth that we got, our panel that we got, (laughs) you know. No hugging is a rule technically for right now, but meet us outside. We'll figure it out. That's right. Catch us outside. That's right. (laughs) But like I – I got a lot more out of this now after talking about it. Like I was way more emotional about this than I thought I was going to be. And the audio stuff was incredible and the Yoda stuff was incredible. And the book took a little while to get rolling, but once it got rolling, man, it really, really nailed it. And like, I think DJO has really got potential to be one of the greats, like for real, like I mean, up there with, with Zahn and gray and these other folks that have just done incredible, incredible things. And he's certainly getting there. And I think I'm going to bump this up to a solid nine, a solid nine out of 10. Like, I think it was fun and I felt, I feel happy inside about it. And I can see myself genuinely recommending this book to a lot of people. Like, even if you haven't read all the comics and stuff, like, I think it, I think it worked well. Yeah. Especially that audio. My goodness, man, that is, the audio production was very good. Yeah. To have a to have a have an unknown narrator, totally new music, it was good. Yeah. Really, really Wonderful. good. The audio production, I think, it's like a nine point nine out of ten. Seriously, yeah. like, <laughs> for real. Seriously, it was very very good. <clears throat> All right, so Corey bumps the score up. Eric, what do you think? 
Um, so I rated 9.7, which is obviously super high, even for me. Um, I, I'm going to be a little sappy on this one. I'm going to, I'm going to bump it up 0.1. I'm going to go to 9.8 in, uh, in memory of my cat. Cause this tonight's show legitimately in all seriousness, every, every week, this show makes my life better. That has been a constant talking to you guys, hanging out with y'all in the chat, like does a lot, but talking through subliminally what this book was kind of able to teach us about loss and life is I think really going to help me get to the next week and to the next show. And that is, that's worth point one to me. I think this is a book that meant a lot to me in the moment. I, I loved reading it. And I think it is one of those star Wars books that like for all of us, the best star Wars affects how we live our lives and affects how we get through the days. And having this conversation with y'all is giving me a boost for seven more days and then we'll do the next one and we'll do the next one and it's going to help me through a really really hard time in my life and i'm so thankful that we do a thing where we get to read things like this and love things like this that did this for me so in my memory of lucy happily 9.8 rock on man that's awesome wes all right wes off all that uh. <laughs> 8.2 it was fine anyway <laughs> <laughs> I think I gave. Oh, I started I out. I've never even liked it. I started out with an eight point seven, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it at an eight point seven. But there's a couple parts that I liked in the yeah, beginning before the we even started, <laughs> <laughs> and then there's other parts that I liked, and there's other parts I didn't like. So it kind of balanced yeah. itself out. But the one thing that really got me about this book was Yoda. Was Yoda like just our? Just our conversation about how yeah. he has uh, had so many Padawans and having so many Padawans has helped him learn and to be able to pass on all that knowledge to the other Jedi to teach their Padawans the same thing. Because they're not going to be able to do it because they can't grow that old, right? So there's only yeah. like a few of those species that can be that and have that kind of longevity to where they can have multiple Padawans to keep learning from all of that. And then the the knighting of Wreath. I mean... Mm. When we just got into to reading about Wreath and Into the Dark, you were like, it's just a young kid coming of age, just wanted to be all about the books, and then yeah. ends up like teleporting to a different planet and then coming back and saving somebody <laughs> and then like yeah. and then all of a sudden now he's helping to to kind of mentor Ram a little bit and then I mean he's this is definitely like a a, a journey for him, a coming of age, and then yeah. it, I think it's very humble of him at the at the end when he was just like what do you mean we're going to, like, what are we all sitting around for? Like, we're here to, to help, right? Didn't he think about himself one bit, but everybody else was thinking about him. So I thought that was a really nice touch that, that DJO put that in that book. So um, not going to raise it, but I'm going to keep it at, at an 8.7. It did take a little bit longer for me to get into, but, I mean, those distinct pieces have, have, have a high 8 for me is good. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, Wes, real quick before you go, Charles, that made me think, I hope, I don't know. Because I don't know how, how marketing goes. I hope that someday we get Master Silas, Master Zetafar, and Master Telesola just leading the Jedi. Because if these books are any indication, those kids... It's kind of how we feel about the world, right? Like, those kids are going to lead into a great, great future. And I hope we get it. Yeah. Whew. We may well. Um, I will go last. I was the uh, I was the low baller. I gave this book a seven point nine, I think, in the intro, and I'm going to bump it up into the eights because uh, I think it definitely deserves it. I'm going to say I'm going to say eight point one um, for me. I think the highs were super high. 
I kind of accept, like I said in the intro, part of the missing points on this 10-point scale are my fault for not you know, reading the High Republic Adventures comics that I'm sure would have improved this experience for me overall. But there were still some little goofy things that I talked about, some of the tonal things that, that just kind of pulled my score down a little bit. Um, and, and I have to mention, uh, the guy coming out of the trap door and being like, ha-ha, I'm Respryler. And then the next page is like, I'm not Respryler. It's me, Nomar Traumat. I was like, what the? Who is Respryler? Uh, that that, that got me. But, uh, but no, I mean, yeah. all, of the, all the things y'all said about why this book works and why it, it actually is a great experience. And a great way to end phase one, technically, kind of, uh, at least in terms of the, of the novels, I agree with. So, a really solid book. Excited to see what DJO does next. And uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll spend lots of time talking about that, too. So, I, on that note, Eric, take us home, buddy. All right, man. Let's also not forget that Kamek Vitus kicked a guy's hand into a tank before blowing him up. All right. <laughs> Everyone. He, for, he forgot his hand. He forgot his hand. What, a, what an episode. Uh what a week for us here, Utini. And you know what? Can't wait for the next one. Because, my friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much. Again, you are the driving force behind everything that's coming up at Star Wars Celebration. If you haven't joined us yet, head over to patreon.com slash for all the awesome extras you can find there. A special thank you goes out to OK Endar, Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council. And Matt Billington, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson, complaining about the Cowboys. Corey is at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Hankel. And Wes is at Boss West. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor who does not get weeks off. Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire. And Wes, our producer and community manager. Thanks to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting with me tonight. Thanks to all of you for tuning in however you do. And as always... May the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the Force will be with you, always.